Welcome back to Brain Body Movement, the podcast for those interested in everything nutrition, training, and mindset. I'm one of your hosts, Brad, and I'll be joined by my co-host, Brock. Today's episode was another Q&A where we answered four questions that got sent to us through social media. Question number one, how do you feel create tension in the muscle rather than just moving the weight? Question number two, what is the fastest way to improve my squat depth? Question number three, what's flexible dieting to you? Question number four, can I build the same amount of muscle with low load training rather than high loads? That was in the back half of the show. And in the front half, we spoke about nutrition and training, gave you a few random facts, talked about Ned Brogman again, and brought up some scientific studies. All right, enjoy the show. If you have any doubt at all about being able to carry a load in one trip, do yourself a huge favor and make two trips. Oof, this, uh, why have I been doing farmer walks in the gym then? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was just to carry the groceries in in one trip, but yeah. Well, that's a you're thing. Telling, eh? you're, you're, te- you're telling me to make two. So I'm in two minds about this as well. Like, it's, I always say, let's just do all the bags in one trip. But I, I've also been thinking back in the day when I was, you know, plumbing and I had to carry like, um, like concrete in wheelbarrows and stuff. And they're like, oh, you know, we'll fill it up to here. I'm like, no, nah, just fucking fill it all the way up. And yeah, no, nah, it wasn't good, mate. It wasn't good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. You know, when you so- get that feeling of like, oh, it's probably either too heavy or um, even like standing on a ladder. And you're like, oh, this feels dodgy. Like as soon as that goes into your mind, it probably is. Yeah. I remember on... um some job sites in London when we were moving like trusses and stuff for theatre plays and people would try and load two on. And I was just like, nah, the, the, the guy that I'm with, I can load two, but the guy that I'm with, he can't load two. I'm like, let's just do one. We'll move a lot quicker. We won't have to stop in case grip fatigues or anything like that. And I think we were much more efficient just moving one at the time just because we, yeah. we moved faster and we didn't have to stop halfway through. So yeah, you're not straining yourself either. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, just put the just put the ego aside. <laughs> yeah, I guess, but that's also like if we bring it to say the gym with uh, people benching. If you think the load is going to be too much after that, like first rep, just rack the weight, and especially if you don't have a if if you don't have a spotter, because there are times like I know I've done it. You're benching and then you don't have a spot, so you're like, all right, I'm gonna just go a cup away, and I'm like, oh, I could probably get this next one. And then you start to fatigue and you're like, oh, like halfway up through this room, like, fuck, <laughs> that's pretty close <laughs> to value than normal. Oh, you know, so set up safeties or have a spotter if you're going to do that. But yeah, that, that brings me back to that that bench. It was like a bit scary. You're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. I've actually seen a fair bit of that in my gym lately. Hey, lots of casuals have been coming in the gym and younger guys. And I think they just think that like you've got to train two or beyond failure with every set and they're just pushing balls to the wall. And I've had to save two or three young fellas the past mm. couple of weeks just trapped under a bar or they're slowly rolling it off them. And I've come over and be like, buddy, just leave one in the tank. You'll make the same same amount of gains and you don't beat yourself up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and if you are listening and you do bench by yourself, probably don't put the clips on because then you can go one side, go the other. Because um, if you have those clips on, you'll get pinned. Yeah. Pretty, yeah. pretty bad. Yeah, if you don't know so- how to like bail. That's a great tip. I tell all of my clients that when they're on their own and you don't have me there, don't put clips on. Like, mm. There's a reason why I clip a squat and there's a reason why I don't clip a bench mm-hmm. because the squat, I want to come off my back easy if I do get pinned. Not that I'm ever really training to failure, but if, if I do get pinned, I want to be able to push that off evenly. Whereas like you mentioned with the bench, I want to be able to tilt one side up, my stronger side, have the weight slide off and then go the other. Yeah, for sure. That just reminded me of a story. I don't know if I've told it on the podcast. Probably have. But there was a guy and he was loading up, I reckon, four plates on on the bar each side. I'm like, shit, is he going to score that? No, he was just doing like standing calf raises. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then I'm like watching him. He's finished. And then he's taking off all the plates off oh, of not one, all on side. The one side. No, oh, no, no. So I saw him take two. I'm like, oh, he's going to go for the other side. And then he goes for the third one. It was either the third one or the last one, and then the whole thing just like flipped up and then tipped uh, all over. No. I was like, "Oh my god!" There was like someone right there next to him. So he's like, "What are you doing, man?" Like, so another word of warning. My goodness, it can. Oh, I'm pretty goodness. sure it can hold 
two twenties, I believe. I'm not sure. Uh, about some, some can, so, yeah, some, some can, can hold three. three. Yeah, so at, at my gym, if I'm uh, if I'm um, Romanian deadlifting off the the squat rack, then I can have four on one side and one on the other. But like you mentioned yourself, I usually just do two one side, go to the other side, take all four yeah. off, and then go back and take the last two off, just in case. Depending yeah. on like the benches as well, like how close yeah. they are, is you, just, you don't want to play with that shit. It's not something you really want to risk. <laughs> no, and he's brought himself too much attention, especially doing like the step calf, calf raises. raises. <laughs> yeah, that was in any time in London as well. Uh, yeah. Classic. How's uh, how's your training in that fat loss phase going, mate? Yeah, it's going good, mate. It's going good. Um, I I was like going to do like just week by week. But I was always ending on like the Friday. So I've brought it forward to today. So each time we podcast, now I can update you properly weekly. Yep. So I'm down, this is average. So I'm down 1.6, no, hang on, 600 grams, sorry, um, this past week. On um, average? On average. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy with that. That's like, what, half a percent of my body fat. Um, my average calories went up. Um, just due to, I had like three birthdays on Saturday. Um, and then my missus, yeah. I was about to say the missus coming home. (laughs) Missus came home. Um, and yeah, so, and then on the weekend, which I'll talk about in a second. Um, but I got a low of 94.5. So just for reference, I started at 97.9. Um, and my average starting weight was 96.55. So, you can see, like, if you aren't doing averages, if I, like, because there were some high ones in there as well. And yep. if I just weighed myself, say, once a week, I would have got discouraged and either stopped or not me. But if it was like a client or someone and they saw that high weight, they would have either stopped, given up, or they would have gone the opposite way and then just not ate for the rest of the day. So I just kept kept going, weighing in every day. There's a few days where I didn't track at all, um, but just r- roughly ate around the same. Uh, and then, yeah, just I'm, I'm pretty happy with what it is. My steps have gone up. They're like roughly around 15 to 17,000 steps. So it's quite high. It, it's very quite high. Um, usually they sit between. It like, is very quite high. Very quite high. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I might have dyslexia, but um, <laughs> yeah, they, they hit around. Usually, I'm around like that 10,000, 9 to 10,000. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. pretty happy with that. So, just with like, yeah, walking into this new job that I'm doing, it's uh, it's bumping up there. So, training's going Quite well. literally walking into it. That's it. Man. Well done. <laughs> um, so, training's going great. Um, but on the weekend, Mrs. got food poisoning. So, it was not well. Like on the Saturday... We'd had those birthdays and then we came home and then she was just throwing up all night, like from 3.30 onwards. So, yeah, it wasn't the best sleep for for me. And unfortunately for her, she was just like constantly throwing up, just feeling sick. Had to call like the the home doctor and that. And then they just said to go get like tablets or something for it. Yeah. It's like there was no one to come out for it because she said last time someone gave her like, like the doctor gave her like an injection. Yeah, she's like, I just want that injection. <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> it's Adelaide on a Saturday night. There's like no one near us at all, which I don't know if that's good or not or what. Like, obviously, emergency, you can go to, you know, the hospital and get triple O, and the ambos will come out. But for little things like this, where you're like throwing up from food poisoning, isn't really no one around and. Yeah, she was she wasn't happy. That's for sure. So that kind of Mate, like there's a, there's nothing there's nothing worse than food poisoning. Hey, it's have literally just it? like a have you had um, it? <laughs> I had a story about me in Vietnam with it. So I uh, I'm a big fan of pho, um, no, and in Vietnam I was walking down a, a street near where I was staying, and I was like, oh yeah, I'll go to this little vendor on the street for pho. Rookie error, rookie error. Felt really good that night, went to sleep, woke up, and we had a tour booked the next day. So we're heading out on this bus on this tour, and I'm like, 
we're gonna have to pull over asap oh no <laughs> because because i'm not gonna make it to the destination which is another half an hour away on these bumpy roads so we get there and i'm talking i'm talking both ends so i'm talking <laughs> top and bottom just going yeah so we pulled over at this place and they were trying to sell things on the way to this tour <laughs> both ends went there then we go out and there was this little kayak you could go on and you could go on this little tour along this river and the, the lady like uh rode you yeah nice. yes so we're going on this tour through um i can't remember exactly where it was but we're going on this tour and we're about halfway back and i'm like no. i'm not gonna make it i'm like i, I went deliberately before we got on this thing because they were like it's 45 minutes and i was like yep i should be able to survive 45 minutes but i don't think i'm gonna i don't think i'm gonna make it back so we're on the way back you know how in um those asian countries they often have someone like guarding the toilets like wanting wanting money for mm. like a yeah so we we get close enough to land that i just get out and i just start running towards the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> and i'm running 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 and all these people are looking at me and i'm just sprinting towards the toilet oh, no. and the lady's like oh it will be this much this much and i'm like sorry, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. No, <mate. laughs> straight into the toilet and then she would have just heard what was just coming out of me on the toilet oh. going okay i totally totally understand and then i'm walking back out and i'm like i'm so sorry and i gave her money plus Plus some, yeah. but yeah, horrible experience. They took me to get, I don't know, something to settle my stomach at some chemist. Like the tour guy was like, here, take this. This, this should help. And mm. yeah, it helped. It helped, but it was like 12 to 24 hours later of absolute suffering, which is I'm pretty sure what and would have gone through. It's just like yeah. a, a time thing. Get get the gut out of the, the virus bug thing that's attacking you out of your gut. Yeah, it, it, was, it was weird because like we drove, she was okay. Um, throughout the day and then it was it she's not 100% sure because like the day before there was like platters out at a at a school for like school breakfast or whatever and then throughout the day it wasn't normal meals it was just like bits and pieces off of platters as well so she wasn't sure but the third party we went to as we drove up because it was like in the where was it It was in Gawler and we were coming from the hills from another party my sister's birthday actually Shout out. Um, yeah, and, and it was like windy road. So she's like, oh, maybe it was just motion sickness. Because as we parked, she then threw up like, like on the ground. Poor thing. Ground, like, Poor thing. So, yeah, we're just like, don't know. And then she was fine that party. And then it wasn't until we got home again and fucking all night. So, yeah, wouldn't recommend it. Yeah. Just there, just holding her hair. Just, it was in, in the blender that I... That I found, I could, I, there was no buckets, man. I didn't have. There was, there was like one bucket. It was like full of Jip Rock shit, and I'm like, oh, she can't have this. And my blender had broke, and I still had like the actual blender. I'm like, oh, she could just use this, and she reckons it's perfect because no hair went in it or anything. And you could like tip it out in the toilet. It was easy to wash. So people out there just use a blender instead of uh, a normal bucket <laughs> throwing up come come here for the health and fitness advice and get the uh how to throw up without messing up your hair advice there you go that's that's uh, just all sorts okay we training it, training How's training going yeah training's going pretty good man um squatting no uh, not squatting yeah oh fuck <laughs> i was thinking about it so probably next week so mrs goes away to canberra um, so I can dial in some good training and sleep, um, and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> so, yeah. And eating. Uh, so I'm, I'm thinking about just dropping it in. Like today I was doing, I was doing these, you'll love these. There were reverse leg split squats on a Smith machine. So rear leg up. Like, like a Bulgarian? Kind of like a Bulgarian, kind of, but it was but you, like a split you, you squat. Get some- you get some drive from the back leg, a little bit, yeah. So you really, yeah. you really like that. F- the flex, uh, the flexion on that knee is crazy with the back leg. Yeah. Um. The main, the main leg, the front leg's driving it mainly. Yeah. Um. But yeah, the stability of the Smith machine works crazy. Like you really feel it activating right there and getting deep. Yeah. But yeah, like I said, the squatting, I've kind of got to. I've got to the well moving into the house, so that's not like until like April now, <laughs> May. Yeah, I think that's what I, we said. I'm I'm the same man. My I've 
put a poll up on my story during the week and it was like, oh, what which is more impressive, like your squat or your Romanian deadlift? Because I like Romanian deadlift like 30, 40 kilos more than I squat for the same amount of reps. And I just like, that's a big discrepancy. But it turns out most people actually, like the, the majority of people Romanian deadlift more than they squat. So I was like, yeah. okay, I'm, I'm, I'm the majority, not the minority here. <laughs> So what they they squat more than they remaining? No, or? no, re, re, remaining deadlift more. Okay, yeah. we think about it. Pro- people probably deadlift more than they do squat. Yeah, yeah. just because you've got that whole driver. But yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Gotta love the up Romanians, eh? Yeah, anything legs, sign me up. <laughs> which is which is very uncommon because most most guys are like yeah, chest, arms, bro. Yeah, and I'm like yeah, legs. No, nah, I got some hack squats in today. So you'd be happy yeah. about that. I need to get some yeah. bands though, because I want to do some banded hack squats. Reverse so, banded. Um. So, what do you mean by reverse banded? So, reverse banded is there's more tension, uh, less tension at the bottom. And yeah, it helps yeah. you. So, it helps yeah, you up. come out of the hole. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Reverse banded for for sure. I've seen people do the opposite of like putting bands when you're down the bottom. I don't like doing that. I like it so you can like yeah pop out because it's the hardest part usually at yeah. the bottom. It ev- it evens out the strength curve. Mm. So yeah, then you can lift more weights. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I wanna, I've got I've got one purple band, but I don't think that's that's enough. I, I know there's another one somewhere, so I'll probably get that going next week, and yeah, probably try try some squats, see how I go. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, man? Uh, training's going well. I am a bit injured at the moment, though. So oh, no. what I've 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 got something wrong with my right shoulder, and I have done for a while. Right. I think it's scapula related. So I am booked in to see an osteo in a couple of weeks' time. Um, but my forearm, man, I don't know what I've done. Whether it's like an overuse issue, or but like even on a on a chest press, when I'm straightening my arm, I really feel like it feels like the the brachioradialis, like the the forearm is really, I don't know, like it's got a lump in it. So I don't think it I don't think it's tennis elbow or anything like that, but yeah, it's just frustrating having to manage that. Like I can't do any of my traditional row movements. I have to sort of like go with an underhand grip and um I can get away with pull ups. I don't know what it is about my arm being overhead that's okay, but yeah, as soon as I go a row and my arm my elbow gets close to behind my torso, which is where you want to be, uh just my forearm just feels like it's on fire or it's gonna tear. So yeah. I'm just I'm just managing that at the moment. Um, and fun. the shoulder, yeah, it's not. The shoulder was becoming better, and then I went for a bench press PB on Monday, and now it's not better. <laughs> <laughs> what are we going for? I uh, did five of five of one fifteen, so I've done yeah. five of one ten before, and did five of one fifteen. So I did it. So that's all that matters. But uh, yeah, wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> oh my! Should have listened to my shoulder and just gone the the one ten that I did the week before, but. Yeah. Yeah. No good. I didn't. Yeah. Oh, no. But other than that, yeah, training's going really well. I feel quite strong at the moment. I much prefer lifting heavy, lower reps, longer rest periods. Like, I'm, I much prefer that. But after this block, I'll probably go into a, a phase of focusing on feeling the muscle rather than lifting weight. Cause right now I'm just focusing on lifting weight. Um, I'll probably go into a phase of that. But I'm, I'm unsure at this stage. We'll see what the osteo says, what I can get away with shoulder wise and what exactly is going wrong it may be like a lot of prehab rehab for my shoulder mm, might have to lower the weight a bit then yeah exactly so that's something that i'll cross once i get the professional's opinion there when are you speaking that? of uh a couple of weeks time oh, okay so, so this, we won't this get program, an update for a bit yeah this program's got two weeks to go anyway so oh, easy i'll i'll tough it out for a couple of weeks <laughs> um <laughs> Speaking of plans and, and moving forward and what you're going to do, we can't talk about him anymore, but I want to talk about him, Ned Brockman. Uh, <laughs> it's like, everyone's like, ah, I'm glad that segment's over. <laughs> I'm going to bruck and bring him up again. So I just want to theorize, right? So you know people that... Theorize sign or up hypothesize? Both. <laughs> um, sure. You know people that often will sign up for like a marathon or an OCR race or a powerlifting comp and this helps keep them accountable or motivated to do something or see change and they get tied to that event that that's what they always like body doing. Well. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Oh, so 
with Ned Wright, he's he's set this this bar so high of things that he can achieve and do. He's he's gone from starting in Perth with five thousand followers, and he's literally run across the country, and he's essentially run into like stardom and fame. So he's he's now at like two hundred fifty thousand followers. Yeah, right. So he's run across the country, but like, what's what's now next for him? Because there's he's there's gonna he's gonna feel pressure on him of like, what do I do now? Like, does he? Do charity events at marathons? Does he start doing ultra marathons? Does he like where does someone that has accomplished something like that go to from here? Because I'm assuming he will be feeling pressure to either raise money for charity again or or do some crazy running feat. So like, where do you think he goes from here? Mm, probably a bodybuilding show. <laughs> <laughs> nah, well, I mean, it really depends what what his goal was. Obviously, to raise money and that. Um, but what his actual why is, and he must love running, so mm. it's got to it's it's got to be something to do with that. Maybe training, training to do it again. I don't know if you've heard interviews of him or going somewhere else and doing other massive feats, but it'd have to be something to do with running um, and raising money again. That's the thing. Like you hear a lot of people when they do um, crazy things like this, a lot of media attention on them, and it. And it's on them for like a good mu- one to two months. And then after that, it just dies down because you're not hot anymore. Mm. Yeah. And, and probably especially in Australia where there's just not as much, I guess, media coverage, not somewhere like say America where there's like a lot of different people always wanting to get your attention with certain things. So it's going to be a hard one because he's, yeah, he's probably on on a time limit of of things that he needs to either do something different or let people know what he's going to do. Because there is that pressure of like, okay, I've accomplished this right now. Um, give, give myself a break. Hopefully, he went out, did more shoeies or something that night. I don't know if you know <laughs> if he did. But then, yeah, figuring out what he's going to do next and and what he's actually accomplished. Because it was what over a million dollars or something raised. How two much? Point, two point five mil. Two point five. See, that's ridiculous, yeah. and that's crazy. Yeah. And and those those are the people that we want want out there. And it's obviously brought a lot of attention to him, but yeah, it is it is hard when you go from zero to a hundred that quick mm. to stay that quick, like to stay up there. Like I'd, if it was me, I'd rather go up slowly and get up there bit by bit, and then you you're learning all this stuff as you go. But you know, sometimes you you can just go like that, like go yeah. to a hundred, and yeah, it's it's a hard one. Because I, I was thinking, there's no way he goes back to being. He was either a Sparky or a, or a plumber, or he was some some sort of trade. There's there's Buckley's chance of him going back and doing that. Like after he's got all this attention and people reaching out to him and sliding in his DMs and Instagram and whatever it may be, all these people wanting to interview him. That I, I just couldn't see him going back and going into a trade when he's got this sort of attention and like, does he go into? talks like um, motivational speaking or does he go into some sort of charity role like yeah i would just wanted to see where mm. what you thought may, may be the the path for him so yeah i don't know an interesting topic yeah no nah, you're right give on him i i don't <laughs> know if he would quit his job though like i don't think that's it's not like you're just gonna have money coming in just because you've got all this media attention like you know all these people on instagram or youtube whatever that have maybe not YouTube, but like people on Instagram or TikTok that have a lot of followers, but then don't earn a lot of money. Um, it may seem like they do because they like, you know, buy all the, or at least rent all the flashy things to make it look like they're successful. Um, so with someone like old Brockman, he's, he's done this amazing feat for charity. Um, yes, he'll get a lot of interviews for the next like month or two, but like how would he earn money? Like people aren't going to pay him well, to, he's picked up sponsorships already. Okay, so he's picked up. Okay, so you get yeah. a few sponsorships, but that's the thing. Like, you got to keep it going. I would still mm-hmm. like probably keep that safety net there until you, at least like, a year of like continually doing this. Because yes, he can go back to it if he wants. I guess it depends what he wants to do. Really, um, yeah. It's it's a it's an interesting one. Did you know if he went out that night? Or? Nah, I don't. I've seen him have a few uh, beers with the inspired unemployed boys, but that's uh that's the extent of all I've all I've seen. Yeah. I promise I promise I promise the listeners that this will be 
No, I don't promise that. <laughs> it won't be the last of the Ned Brocklin chat. I'm <laughs> sure he'll do something and I'll bring him up again. No, we'll, we'll um, keep him. I wanted to bring up a study that I feel like it's just one of those studies that's like, a duh. So like, um, study done on water, turns out it is wet. Like, ridiculous. The, the, the title of this article is More Physical Activity and Less Screen Time Linked to Better Function in Children and Toddlers. <laughs> So, the study found that 24-month-old children who spent less than 60 minutes looking at screens each day engaged in more physical activity and had better executive function. The study's aim was to see the difference in toddlers' abilities to remember, plan, pay attention, shift between tasks, and regulate their own thoughts and behaviours, which is what categorises executive function. But I feel like that's a bit of a, a duh, if that would... Mm makes sense that less screen time would result in more physical activity and a a better executive function in toddlers and children. Well, yeah. Like if you're <laughs> if you're on a screen, you're not going to do physical activity really either. <laughs> yeah. So when it's gone away, of course you're going to do something else other than that. Like mm-hmm. that's obvious. Yeah. And and that's the thing with some of these studies. Like I guess they gotta do it, don't they, just to put it out there. But that's what association is it? Uh, I, I would I would say so. Sixty um, minutes of but, screen time, like the yeah, amount of screen time that you actually have, though, it's crazy. Oh, it's crazy! It's absurd. You don't realize it though. How much? Yeah. You're like, wait, what? How much a day? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's ridiculous. The thing is, like, I work from my phone. Like, I, I've got the yeah, know, the exactly. trainerized app, and I'm literally working from my phone. So I'm like on it whilst, and my phone just stays on. And I just go enter the number when someone's finished a set and then it just it stays lit up. So like my screen time is astronomical. And I'm like, how much of that is me actually just aimlessly scrolling and Well you can check yeah. that. You can actually check like socials, you can check productivity yeah, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, if your screen time's like ten hours, it's like, oh shit, what of that ten hours is like whatever. Yeah. But oh, it's good you brought up that study. I've got this study here. Um so one of this study is Basically, getting less than five hours of sleep in mid to late life could be linked to an increased risk of developing at least two chronic diseases. Found a new study at the UCLA or UCL researchers. So it was like 7,000 men and women aged like 50, 60, and 70. Um, And they examined the relationship between how long uh, participants slept on mortality and whether they had been diagnosed with like chronic diseases. So they were like people who reported getting five hours of sleep or less at age 50 were 20% more likely to have been diagnosed with chronic diseases and 40% more likely to be diagnosed with two or more chronic diseases over 25 years compared to people who slept for up to seven hours. So that just goes to show how important sleep is, Um, especially we say like seven to nine hours and that's time asleep. So if you're giving yourself, you know, on that edge, I would just like try and bump it up at least half an hour um, to start with. Don't try and do like nine hours straight out because you just won't be tired enough. You're not going to have enough sleep pressure throughout the day. Um, and obviously the basics of like not getting too caffeine, too close to bed. Make sure you're having like at least like less like looking at screens beforehand. Yeah. Like you're not in bed, like just scrolling mindlessly with that bright light in your face keeping it cool all the basics we've done a massive podcast on this episode what was it eight seven tips something like that um, and i'm sure we'll do more in the in the future uh that was episode number eight seven tips for a better night's sleep so yep i highly recommend you go back and listen to that one if you're looking for ways to improve your sleep i like the fact that you mentioned don't try and jump to too much straight away mm. so at the moment i'm focusing on my sleep a bit and i'm just doing 15 minutes earlier yeah okay. for bedtime 15 minutes earlier for the whole week and then next week I'll go 15 minutes earlier than that and that's the way that I'll get my, to my half an hour and then depending on how well I'm sleeping I may even go 15 minutes before that and that way I'm my bed in bedtime is 45 minutes longer that's not necessarily I'll be sleeping for 45 minutes longer but I have 45 minutes longer in bed yeah yeah for sure and there, there is a point of like diminishing returns as well if you're starting to if you're like sleeping eight hour eight and a half and then you try and bump it up to nine like if you have an aura ring, you can check your sleep efficiency. Like mm. when when I sleep, say I give myself nine hours in bed, sometimes my sleep efficiency is like on the lower end. So I only like get eight hours in bed. 
But say if I give myself eight hours, um, I'm sleeping for like maybe seven and a half, seven forty, and my sleep efficiency is a lot better. So there is a point where like too much sleep could potentially um you you would just would be wasting your time. Obviously sleep's yeah. great and stuff, but try not to be so um full on with it that you're like, Oh, I've got to get like nine hours in bed kind of thing. Whereas if you just got eight and a half, you may have even slept better because you're you're giving your I don't know like the mechanisms behind it or whatever, but sometimes you just sometimes you sleep better when you have that time constraint as well. So yeah. but yeah, this is saying less than seven. It's just probably not ideal for for the future. Probably get away with yeah. it when you're younger, but <laughs> the older you yeah. get. Yeah. Even then there's so many negative health effects from lack of sleep. Like it's it's truly so pivotal. I'm pretty sure there was a study done on people that were sleep deprived. Like they they um switched the people that were that were in a fat loss phase. Um they lost the same amount of weight, but one lost a greater percentage of muscle mass compared to fat mass, whereas the others that were well rested lost a larger percentage of fat mass compared to muscle mass. So they yeah. both lost ten kilos and and the ones that were um sleep deprived, say lost four kilos of muscle, six kilos of fat. The ones that were well rested lost a kilo of muscle, nine kilos of fat. So like yeah. it, it plays such a pivotal role. Plus hunger cues. Oh, um like it's it's a huge yeah. Like recovery so you can train well next session. Oh, it's it's so pivotal and people just ignore it and sleep when I'm dead. And it's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> You're literally uh handcuffing yourself and your abilities by not prioritizing your sleep and, and recovery. Yep, exactly right. If you if you if you feel like that you're missing something in your life, it's probably sleep. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's yeah. just so true. All right, here's with a fact. All right, here we go. So <laughs> there was this guy who's an American composer, Leroy Anderson. He uh, did this song with an orchestra uh, with just a typewriter as a percussion instrument. So they've got the orchestra in the background <laughs> and he's he's doing like the same kind of melody with this light type writer and stuff it's a check it out i think it where was it, iceland or something just look it up on youtube leroy anderson so the typewriter is an instrument it's called the typewriter yeah it's a percussion in- instrument and he's literally just going <laughs> along with the it's pretty cool uh, that's that's pretty cool yeah um i think this one may blow your mind this animal fact uh, another animal okay beautiful now, the loudest animal in the world, it is a two-centimeter prawn. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's called the pistol shrimp, and it clamps its claw shut so rapidly that it creates a bubble, which then collapses and produces a sonic blast. It has been recorded at 230 decibels, which is significantly louder than a gunshot. Holy shit. That is loud. I remember hearing, <laughs> like, if it's over 100, you got to be careful. Like, fuck. 230 decibels from a two-centimeter prawn. The pistol shrimp. The pistol shrimp. That's why they call it, eh? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I would assume so. Oh, my God. (laughs) And where do you find this shrimp? Uh, I don't know. I'll have a look for you. Prawn or shrimp? Uh, They're the the same thing, but it's just different countries call them different things. Yeah. Yeah. Shrimp on the barbie. We don't do that for our American listeners out there. Mate, it's got a pretty big claw. That's it. just just looking at it, it's got a pretty big claw. Um, it just says coral reefs. Yeah. Okay. So, so I'm just trying to think, like, if it. So, what does it do when? How does it actually? So, happen? so it clamps its claw so rapidly that the claw creates a bubble, and when that bubble collapses, that that bubble makes a sound of like a. Like a, right, like a right. I'm assuming so, and it's 230 decibels because it's happening so rapidly and so fast. It's bang collapsing, and it makes a huge sound. I'm assuming it's some form of method of like scaring off prey or something. Like mm. it just clamps its claw and then bang makes his sound, and prey is scared and runs off potentially. Yeah. So this is obviously underwater. How yeah, would that I- actually like go for us? Like if we, if we were there, would we actually get deafened? Like does it happen the same if it was above water? This is the kind of questions we need to know. I don't know. I'm not willing to test it out. I'm assuming it wouldn't make much set. Like it just make the sound of like the the claws clamping together when it's above yeah. water because it's yeah. it sounds like it's the the pressure of the the bubble collapsing and and bursting that creates yeah, okay. the 230 decibel sound. That's crazy. Pretty pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah that is. Okay, let's get uh let's get stuck into some questions. 
Yeah, let's do it. Question number one. How do you feel create tension in the muscle rather than just moving weight? Okay, so I guess this question comes about from like you hear the the bodybuilders, they want that mind-muscle connection instead of like just lifting up the weight where it's like you're saying with like powerlifters and that. So feeling the weight, it's probably best for probably upper body mainly um, and then like single joint movements because like if you were to do a squat, the last thing I'd want you to do is to try and tense your like rectus femoris or something like it just it just wouldn't happen like it it's really hard to get a mind muscle connection with stuff like that whereas if you're doing something like uh, a bicep curl um or like preacher curl or something like that where you can really squeeze and feel the muscle to connect to it better then that's probably better for it and they have done studies on doing just um what they call um extrinsic motivation or intrinsic motivation so like instead of um like they'll have a study of like people shouting extrinsically like lift the weight up or feel feel the muscle and in the group then when like for just pure muscle building um when they do it internally um the percentage of muscle girth when they measure the muscles after is a little bit higher than if they were just told to lift the weight up so it it helps in that and that was i think a bicep curl um but when it comes to like the pure strength and that um lifting lifting the weight like because you see all those like power uh not power lifters what are the other ones they just randomly lift up the weight strong uh, man no 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 the other one olympic lifters i lift uh, yeah exactly olympic olympic lifters like they can lift some crazy amounts of weight um but they also aren't as jacked as say a bodybuilder yes the training is different than that um but yeah feeling the muscle you kind of got to like feel feel the tension sometimes when you're doing it like i sometimes do it sometimes don't depending on like what i want to do like if you're doing a bicep curl it's like you're not just going to stop like when you do a bicep curl most people will just keep going until their, their yeah. arm falls off really um and then, but like with with a squat you're not thinking of squeezing that muscle too much so it's really case dependent um and i know posing can help with getting that mind muscle connection um i think that's where they're going with the question i'm not sure like you you got the question didn't you so yeah yeah can you go so, much into what they were really asking any more than that yeah or? so for me i think it's a case of they're wanting to, let's say they're doing a bench press and they're wanting to actually feel their their pecs, for example. Yeah, okay. Um, for me, I would, not lifting any weight at all, I would try and flex and squeeze that muscle as hard as you can, almost to the point of cramping. When you have control over that and you, and you feel that without weight, without load, without doing the movement, then try and jump into the movement and, and f- do that exact same motion whilst pressing the weight. And think of cues. So the role, let's say a bench press, for example, the role of your pecs is to bring your arm across your body. So when you're bench pressing, the elbow is out and then you're bringing it back across. So I would think of bringing your elbows in together and squeezing your chest in together. And hopefully that will help you uh, feel or create that tension in the muscle rather than just lifting the weight from point A to point B. The powerlifter bodybuilder, example you got you gave was a, a great analogy uh, a powerlifter is not trying to feel a, a squat in their quads or glutes they're literally just like how can i most efficiently move this weight from point a to point b whereas mm-hmm. a bodybuilder would be slowing down the tension focusing on let's say they want to develop their quads more they may be going oh i want to feel my quads and then just thinking of like quads 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 as they're coming down or if it's a bikini competitor they may be going okay push my bum back away from the bar and really try and feel my glutes. And as I'm coming up, I'm thinking of squeezing my glutes as hard as I can to the point where they cramp as I'm coming up. That that would be that would be my best advice. The easiest one, you mentioned it, is the bicep curl. Like just flex your arm as hard as you can to the point where you're squeezing so hard that you feel like it's going to cramp. And that feeling there where you feel like it's going to cramp, you want to do that as you're contracting the muscle and then releasing on the way down you want that squeezing tension feeling in the muscle if that is your goal yeah and yeah you kind of got to ask yourself as well like why you want to feel these muscles like if you're lacking 
something like if you're if you're looking at your physique and you're looking at it you're like oh i'm really lacking here is it because one i'm not like feeling the muscle when i'm working it or is it two i'm just not giving it enough volume because when you start to feel the muscle i dare say that your reps are probably going to drop just like if you slow down the movement your reps are going to drop then if you normally do it so that may also affect volume i'm not sure i'm not sure of any uh studies that have done that that'd be really hard to do um but i'm just theorizing or or hypothesizing of like what would actually like why you want to be doing this it's all it's all great and well like feeling the muscles and it it also like if you're if you're the kind of person that needs to feel the muscle and needs to go like okay this this is a workout that i know i've done well in even though it may not be um the best workout for you like you know how we always say oh probably not the best to like train to failure all the time but at least the next day you feel wrecked and you feel like all right let's do it like it really depends on like how you felt the workout went to how far you actually go and do that again so there's like this thing called like the feeling scale and it's from like minus five upwards of like five of like how wrecked did that get you and you're like oh yeah that was definitely like a four or five of on like the wrecking scale or or whatever however they do it it's like oh would you do it again and like some people will say yes i would do that again but other people will like no so it's very individualized when it comes to stuff like that so yeah I, yeah it's one of those things like how much more growth is this going to give you if you're really feeling the muscle or is it like really you're just not giving it enough volume throughout the week for that muscle group that you're trying to feel. It may um, give you that extra, like it's been shown, like a little bit more growth, but also lifting lifting up the weight is obviously going to give you growth too. It's just like the minute details. If you're like trying to step on stage, this is when you're like really, really going um, to help the most. Or if you're just like, like I said, like lagging body part or something. So I'm probably going to disagree with you there because there's the there's a point where lifting more weight or continuing to progress with more weight significantly increases the chance of injury. So if someone's just wanting to go in and they're just wanting to feel tension in their muscle and just like minimize their risk of injury a bit and just go through the motion, then I totally see benefit in just going in. So that's why my shoulder was feeling better because I went away from strength training and I was purely just doing my pressing movements of just like, I just want to isolate my chest here. And I just really want to focus lighter on my chest. And I was producing enough mechanical tension because my reps were slowing, slowing down enough that I knew I was close enough to failure. <clears throat> so I was producing that mechanical tension, which is a, a stimulator of muscle growth or muscle maintenance, depending where your calories are at. And I wasn't getting the risk of injury because I wasn't pressing crazy amounts of weight. Like it was always controlled and I was more intrinsic focusing on the squeeze in the muscle. So that's where I would also see a benefit of it to reducing that risk of injury because if I'm squatting 160 kilos, there's a lot more risk of injury in me squatting 160 kilos compared to me squatting 60 kilos and just trying to focus on quads or glutes or whatever it may be and and create tension through the body. So that could potentially be where they're coming from is maybe they've got like a an injury and they're just wanting to focus on minimizing their risk of injury. I I would say that training like a bodybuilder and really trying to feel your target muscle is probably better longevity wise than just trying to move more weight in terms of progression. Yeah. So what part did you disagree with? Uh, The the part where you said um, it's for minute details and you really want to think about this when you're getting into bodybuilding, but at the end of the day, it could just be more volume that you're missing but if yeah. more, more volume means more weight then I'd, I'd probably disagree with that and then go just just slow down your rep or slow your tempo with that weight and really try and, and feel your muscle and get a better connection to your muscle because personally speaking for me i was lifting quite heavy weight on my bench press but it wasn't until 18 months ago or, or two years ago where i really focused on feeling my chest through the movement and i actually lightened the weight that my chest continued to grow more so it's not always a a volume matter it could just be a you're better connected to the muscle and you're feeling it more and you're contracting it more it could have been a form issue maybe i was using more front doubts and and now i'm using more more pecs but personally i I can i can see a lot of merit in someone wanting to train like this not just for like an aesthetic purpose but potentially like longevity as well okay yep all right I, i hear what you're saying 
Um, where I'm going with it is more so like <clears throat> you got to find out what the actual big rocks of um, muscle growth is. And most of the time it is that volume part. So if you're going into the gym and you're like trying to squeeze absolutely everything and you're only doing like, you know, five or six reps of like one exercise and then you're skipping like all sorts of other exercises, that's where I was coming from of like, okay, if you're trying to focus too far into like trying to squeeze this muscle instead of actually like getting the appropriate amount of volume in over over a period of time, that's where I was coming from it. And I know it like it's, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's it's one of those things like I, I don't really teach it. Like obviously when I teach my clients how to lift weights and stuff, obviously I'm saying like squeeze the muscle and that, but that's because now I know that they're getting in um, the good amount of volume whereas if you're yeah. like tr- if you're too focused on like the smaller parts of things like that you know the big rocks of like say like calorie deficit like that's the main principle and then when we talk about muscle building the muscle building is like pretty well volume for the most part but if you're not doing the most amount of volume the squeezing and feeling the muscle aren't isn't going to make you grow as much as the volume will do you know what i mean like if you had two two sets of um, quad training compared to like 10 sets of quad training but you really felt the muscle in the two sets i would argue the 10 sets are still better even though you didn't feel it as much would you agree with that uh it would depend on how close yeah it's nuanced but it would depend on how close someone's trying to failure and if they're just literally moving the weight from a to b and there's less time on attention but it would really depend on there's a whole numerous factors that go into that yeah i see i see where you're coming from i was just taking it out of like focus on your volume first and then once you get because it's like skill acquisition as well of yeah. like moving through and getting mm-hmm. getting used to like lifting actual weight and then you can start to feel feel the muscles a bit more. Yeah. But there is there is some exercises so I'm not really sure which specific muscle group or exercise this person is is speaking of but there is specific exercises like if I'm teaching someone a windmill I'm not wanting them to feel no. any specific muscles I'm just wanting them to go through the movement. Mm. Same with like a, a lot of times when I initially teach a, a hip hinge, it's just teaching the movement, not going, okay, as you drive through, you should be driving your hips through and, and feeling like you're pulling your hips down towards your knee. I'm literally just teaching the movement and then I pro- can, can progress until, okay, now we're wanting to. So it's it's, it's very dependent. But if, if you're wanting to feel, because the question is, how do I feel, create tension in a muscle? If you're wanting to do that, I'd probably go with the flexing approach mm. and just start with something simple like your biceps or flex your flex your pec to the point where it feels like it's going to cramp and then do the movement with that if you're wanting to feel it in the muscle. The old uh, titty dance, mate. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, like there was something to do like with all the bodybuilders and stuff with their posing. They would just like do their posing routines and really feel feel that muscle. And there's there's definitely some merit there to if you can tense and feel that muscle, you will connect to it and you will grow grow more than if you if you don't connect to it um, i think most people can flex their bicep not many people can you know flex their legs as much um, or flex their lat or their lat. lats Relate. lats a hard yeah. line exactly like i i've taken so long to flex my left calf <laughs> <laughs> yes i've had injuries with it and that and that's probably why it's like smaller than my right but yeah that was a long-winded answer but hey that's all right getting some value that's good uh, question number two, what is the fastest way to improve squat depth? Yeah, I'm just going to handball this one to you, mate. I'm fucking shit at squatting so, <laughs> and my ankles. Like, so, all right, I'll let you go first with this one, yeah, and then I can just bounce yep. off of you. Okay, fastest way to improve squat depth, and we're talking purely fastest here, not best, heel wedges. Put put something, put plates or wedges under your heels. Nine times out of 10, it's ankle mobility that is a limiting factor. So putting wedges under your heels will do that. But here's the caveat. You still want to be addressing ankle mobility if that is the issue and hip mobility if that is the issue. So that is the fastest way to improve squat depth and it will improve your range of motion because your knee can travel further over your toes. However, you still want to be doing things like a combat stretch, a 90-90. I do this one where I lean back and and really stretch at the front of my ankle, my tibialis. Um, You can do a banded combat stretch to pull that talus bone back because that's often what gets blocked. It gets doesn't slide back properly so that the a band around that part where the talus bone is will slide the talus will help encourage slide the talus bone back for you and you'll create that neural pathway of talus bone slides back when my knee travels over my toes but you really want to address 
the mobility issues and what's not allowing you to hit squat depth. But I can understand you're wanting to hit it now in the meantime. So heel wedges or plates under the heels is the fastest and simplest way to do it, but still address mobility in the meantime. Otherwise, you'd just be walking around on a crutch for the rest of your life. Mm. Yeah, that's when I was squatting, I was sometimes just squatting normally and then others I would just like raise my heels because yeah, my ankle mobility is shocking. So it's it's definitely what I've been doing to increase that mobility. Because when you're in that position and you've got a load on your back, there's a lot more pressure than if you were just to do like a normal like combat stretch or something. You can do like a um the ankle mobility test. It's like five fingers and then the and then your thumb. It's like five inches or whatever. If you can get that over, that's good. Um, but it's also like, why do you want to improve your squat depth? Like how low are you going at the moment? There are some people like their hips just don't allow, like it's bone on bone, like a certain degree with just like mainly with taller people. I know like it's, it's a lot harder for us to squat. Obviously, not that's not everyone. But for you, like what squat depth to you? You know what I mean? Like is it ass to grass? Like, I don't. I honestly don't think everyone can get arse to grass. Um, I'm okay to get question on that, but I I think anatomically with the way um, your hips can move as well. Like if your ankle mobility is great, sometimes your hips just don't get to that angle that you could if you were going arse to grass and you have a bit of that that butt wink. Um, so it's also like why? Like are you in competition uh, and you need to reach that? Fair enough. Like. Let's let's work on that. Getting those heels raised up. Like you're going to probably wear um, raised shoes in competition anyway, just to get that better. Like you could also instead of doing like barbell squats, you could do say front squats. Um, you mm-hmm. can get deeper with some front squats as well. Um, so there's a, there's a few things that you can do. But yeah, it's also like why do you want to get it? Like um, yes, we love full range of motion and getting in those longer longer lengths are a lot better. Um, but like yeah really need specific to know why you want to get that squat depth. Yeah. A, a pretty clear indicator will be if you jump on a hack squat and you can hit the depth that you're wanting to hit for whatever reason, if you can hit it on a hack squat, then it's probably an ankle mobility issue. That is the problem and nothing to do with the hip. So that's an easy test for you to do. Oh uh, yeah. Nine, I can get so deep. <laughs> yeah. Nine times out of 10 from my experience, it's usually ankle and, and hip related. And I mean, everyone's hips are completely different. So if you've got a really deep hip socket joint and your your femur goes really high up your hip, it's probably going to be a lot harder for it to come out of that out of that joint. It's you're probably going to hit bone beforehand, and that what that could be what creates the butt wink. Mm. But yeah, the fastest the fastest way from what I can tell is just bang heel wedges done. But yeah. you still want to address mobility if that is a, a limiting factor. Mm-hmm. Question number three: What's flexible dieting to you? Yes, yeah, so flexible dieting I like to call it flexible eating. Um, which is basically having that unconscious, not unconscious, having that unconditional permission to eat anything I want, just not everything. Um, I don't have hard or fast rules when it comes to certain things. Um, obviously, if you want to go onto a diet and lose some fat, there's obviously got to be some sort of restraint. But <clears throat> knowing that you can go off, off, well, not off, but like you can choose a path that isn't like quote unquote on your plan. So like I'm never not adherent. So when I'm going in through the day, I'm deciding whether I'm going to be in a deficit maintenance or if I'm going to be a surplus today. And it'll depend on what day of the week it is, how much sleep I've had, how my training's going, if I'm with my missus, all these kind of things all add up to the decision I'm going to have on that day. Like today, I'm going to be in a deficit, no doubt about it. Um, probably because I'm not seeing the missus. Uh, so <laughs> tomorrow it might be up a bit. She's going to hate me. She's going to hate me. <laughs> but yeah, to me, I call it flexible eating um, just because dieting can have uh, a bit of weight on its hands. And it's just knowing that if I want to go into a deficit, I can eat whatever food I want um, and being flexible with when, how, and what I eat throughout the day um, and just knowing that I'm in control of what I eat no one's telling me what to do. The The minute you start to put too many constraints on it is the minute that you will either have a bad relationship with food, binge, or just go off the plan and then you're forever going on and off off the plan or off the wagon as they, as they call it and it's not healthy 
Um, so that's why I do like the whole flexi flexible eating approach. I'm pretty sure that you're the same um, of just knowing that you can eat whatever foods you want as long as they fit within um, your macronutrients. It's not I I I I if if it fits I, your macronutrients. I am yeah exactly. It's not that. It's different to that because that is like you've got this amount of calories, you've got this carbs, you've got this fat, and you got this protein. And if you don't hit those numbers, um, then you're not doing your uh, you know, yeah, if it's your macros, it's different to that. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't use that because that that can also be a form of restriction because you've got numbers to hit. That's why I like ranges when I give to people. Like, if you want some macronutrient like targets and calorie targets, sure, I'll give them to you. But I'm going to give you a range. I'm not going to give you this is your calories. Stick stick to this calories and that's it. Like, imagine if you go like 50 calories over you, how shit you feel. So I give you like at least like 200 calories either side. Other side, yeah. Depending on the person, one to two hundred calories. Other side, because you've got, you've got like you're not going to be a hundred percent right anyway. So it's good to have that restraint, uh, not restraint, that flexibility of of ranges. Whereas again, that's another form of restriction that's not flexible in so called diet. Yeah. So for me, mine is you pretty much hit the nail on the head before the ability to be flexible in my food choices and eat what I want when I want, where I want, with whoever I want. <laughs> with who you want. <laughs> yeah, that, that that's pretty much it. Like if I've got an event with family, like we went to Movie World a couple of weeks ago, I just ate on the fly there. Like there was no there was no structure to it. It was just me being flexible with my food choices. Now there is a caveat to this. Let's say friends want to go out um, and get dinner together. If if I don't feel like that, then I just won't won't do it. Like I'm still conscious and aware of my food choices and i'll just go no no thank you i don't feel like that like or if we go out to dinner and they are ordering cocktails and, I, and they'll be like oh you want a cocktail i'll be like no no thank you because i'm still conscious and aware and, and making decisions based on how would this make my body feel and perform so that's that's still always ringing in the background oh how will this food choice affect how i feel how will it affect my training how will it affect my physique how will it affect whatever it may be that's still got to be ringing in the background for me but yeah, it's it's the flexibility to have freedom with my food choices and like we've always said, the permission to eat anything but not everything. Yep. So it's it is it is a big one because you still hear story. I've I'm still hear, hearing stories of people getting put on such strict diets, so crazy. strict that you can't even have a banana. Mm. You know, and th- this is something that I've that I've heard recently, and it's it's. It's really not making me emotional. It's well, I guess it is getting emotions out of me. Like I couldn't believe that this stuff is still happening. Um, and unfortunately, it is just people that are just uneducated and aren't um, giving that education out there. Of like, yes, you can eat what you want and still lose fat. Like it's fine. Like, yeah, oh, I could go on about this, but it's just really important to understand that you are in control of what you eat. Uh, well, to a certain degree, obviously, there's. Um, some diseases like obesity and stuff that the the brain regions is just crazy. Like, did you hear about that? Um, the study that they did on rats, and they they either knocked out the, I believe it was the leptin gene, and then the ats just ate everything inside. It was pretty crazy. No. Yeah, it's no, it's fucking crazy. And that was like in the brain of like of the rats. Of they literally just changed one little thing, and then all of a sudden they fucking ate everything yeah so, it's rats though yeah but you know still it's cool rats cool, are, cool frontier. Rat, rats rats don't exactly have like a conscious mind no. <laughs> not that we know of can't anthropomorphize that uh true this is true yeah question number four can i build this same amount of muscle with low load training rather than high loads okay so low load training and high load training so i would have thought this question came in of like a study that was done between like 30% one rep max compared to like 80% of one rep max going to failure. And in the research with hypertrophy, um, it seems like, yes, you can. Um, so if you do have light weights, as long as you go into failure, even as low as 20% of one rep max um, has been shown to still make significant or the same similar gains to like if you were doing higher loads. The only caveat that I'm thinking is like, how often are you going to 
do like 25, 30, 30 plus reps on exercises all the time in the gym. Like how much like Pump do classes, you like mate. to Yeah. Well, are you gonna enjoy that kind of thing? It's um it's 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 very personal preference. So but just knowing that you can, but it's also like that practical application of will you be doing that every time you go into the gym when you've got weights there that you can lift a lot heavier. So obviously strength is um you're not going to get the same amount of strength gains. Like it's obvious, but they've had to study it of like, if you want to get stronger, you have to be lifting, mm, lifting heavy, heavy weights. Yeah. So um, you're not going to get the same amount of strength gains. Um, and, but you can still make pretty well the same amount of uh, hypertrophy gains. If you were to go either 30% to 80%. Yeah. That's that training closer to failure aspect that I was talking about earlier. Now, if you're creating, more tension and feeling more tension in the muscle and creating it to the point where you train close enough to failure, then it's highly likely that you will see the same amount of progression. So whether you're within, I think it's like three or four reps to 30. Was that the, was that the range? Oh yeah. It was like, as, as long yeah. as volume was equated for, and you were training close enough to failure, you saw the same muscle building benefits. Now, obviously if you're in a three to four rep range, you're probably going to be a lot stronger, but I mean, you, you can, there's many ways to skin a cat, essentially. So you can do both. And mm. I'd probably recommend you trial both because your body will adapt to one. So maybe do four to six weeks at one and then switch to the other and then get strong in a different rep range and, and continue to cycle through the two. One, it'll keep training fresh. And two, it'll it'll keep continuing to send different signals to your body and giving you reasons to adapt and change and grow. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is as well, um, they don't have long longitudinal studies going further with like the low low training and mm. high low training so these are like probably usually about eight weeks long and they say oh yeah they're very similar but how is it going to go long term um, six months 12 months five years and that yeah. and that's the thing and we, we just don't have enough data on that at the moment so um the thing yeah it's that there used to be that eight to 12 rep range of like hypertrophy that's out of the water but it's still a very good um strategy to use because you're in and out of the gym, you're doing like three to four sets with that rep range. Whereas if you were to do four reps or three reps, you'd have to be doing, you know, like another 10, 10 or 11 like uh, sets of just yeah. that. And like, then you have to realize like how long you're going to be into the gym. And the same with the high reps, because you're probably going really close to failure as well. You're going to be a lot more sore and that may impact recovery. And it's just, there's a lot of like nuances when it comes to this. That's why you do see that eight to 12 rep range come up a lot. Um, I yeah. usually like to say that eight to 15 as well. So you push that a bit more, um, but yeah, like you said, it's great to trial it out yourself because there are different responders as well. Like some people, um, respond better to like higher, higher loads and some respond better to lower loads. So obviously the mean, we talk about that a lot, just the average, but just note that there are other people that are outliers and that might be you. So you got to trial it for yourself because when it comes to science and evidence and all that kind of stuff. We work with averages and there's the outliers kind of get um, taken out of the body of evidence and it might be you, who knows? I would love to know which loads, whether it's light or heavy, would actually make my calves grow. <laughs> I told you about that. Because I've tried stretch mediated thing. And I've, you know, I've it was like two everything. hours. Eh? I reckon it was like two hours you have to do it. So I think Eric Helms is actually doing something on that of he's putting his calf in a stretch like heard him on the on his podcast talking about it he's like yeah i'm gonna do a, a study on myself to see if i can get some more calf gains so <laughs> hopefully in like, um, the next couple of months we'll we'll know this is completely off topic but did you see the um study that was done on the so kneeling and you're doing calf raises like seated calf raises and the effect it has on your um blood glucose and insulin levels no, I haven't. So you're in your seated position at like at a work desk and you're, and you're doing essentially seated calf raise, just continually doing reps. And I think they were doing it for two to four hours or something, just continually doing reps, obviously some breaks in between, but had a stark improvement on their, their um, blood sugar levels and sta help stabilize it just from doing Moving. calf raises. Yeah, yeah. So, so they, they're, associate, they're associated with the brain thinking you're walking because you're doing the, mm -hmm. the movement. And obviously, walking is beneficial for regulating that blood sugar level. So, yeah, they're saying that this could be revolutionary for like diabetes and things like that. Yeah, right. 
there you go. Yeah. If you can't get walking around, just move your legs <laughs> up and down. Yeah. If well, if you're stuck behind a work or a work exactly. desk all day, mm-hmm. and you're in front of a computer screen, just bang out some seated car phrases. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Maybe that's what you okay. need to do. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe I'm just in the wrong industry. Have you got BFR? Ah, <laughs> uh, no, I don't. I don't. Maybe that might. Mate, I I am seeing gains. I've had a few people compliment me lately. So yeah, I know you you're bringing it up a fair amount, mate. Uh, mate, they're growing. I think it. I think it's. I'm spending more time in the stretch position. So I think what I was doing for years was just trying to go through the reps and really feel a burn. Mm. And now I'm spending more time in that stretch position. I'm taking load off the Achilles, and I feel like I must have been lifting a lot with that stretch reflex of my Achilles in the calf. So now I'm taking the load off the Achilles and putting it on the the calf, the gastroc or the soleus, whichever one I'm doing. And I'm feeling a lot more benefit. Plus the other tip that's really helped the last six months is is what I mentioned earlier is like I was <laughs> sitting at home and I'd be, I don't know, eating dinner or watching TV or whatever it may be. And I would literally just contract Stretch my it, calf, yeah. contract, contract yeah. my calf to the point of like it cramping and going, okay, that's what I need to feel on a calf raise. And I continue to do that. And now I finish a set on a calf raise and it feels like my calves are going to cramp. So I feel like that's been really beneficial. I know this wasn't a question, but there you go. How do you grow your calves with uh, – Rocky boy. <laughs> okay. That's a wrap for today's uh, episode. If you want your questions answered in the future, make sure you're following us at brain.body.movement, at Brad Dapper, and at Brock underscore Dalgleish. And you can ask us a question whenever we pop up a sticker box or send us a DM. But for now, we just want to say thank you so much for listening to us. If you enjoyed or took any value at all from this episode, we would really appreciate it if you took a screenshot and shared to your Instagram stories. We'd also love it if you shared it with family and friends and left us a five-star review. And don't forget to turn on post notifications so you don't miss an episode in the future. But before we go, if we can leave you with a few things, make your damn bed, get your steps in, and be kind to one another. Cheers. Hit me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I don't know why I'm smiling. Okay. <clears throat> it was the hit me. Yeah.